them, well, hey, my name is Brittany Rochelle, and I'm the Family Life Director here at Multiply Church, and I'm so excited to be with you here this morning. Pastor Zach is in Africa. He is with Church Multiplication Network, planting churches all up and down Africa. He has been in South Africa. He's going up. They've seen his beard. I'm sure they're like, what is that? So it's been so fun to follow along his journey through a social media page while he is gone. I'm so thankful to serve under a pastor who has fearless leadership. And I'm so thankful that he has courage to have the hard conversations. And he has the ability to step back and to see the big picture. He's he's a dedicated CrossFitter, we all know that. But he's even more dedicated to the word. And he leads the way in prayer and in action. And I'm thankful to call him a friend. And I'm thankful to call him my pastor. So let's continue to pray for Pastor Zach as he is in Africa. I also wanted to give you guys an update on the car wash that we did last week. Now, I, when I was planning it and we were preparing for it, I kind of thought, man, it would be really cool if we had like 10 to 15 cars come through. That would be awesome. We've never done this before. So 10 to 15 was kind of my goal, my idea. But we had 33 cars come to represent for the youth. So all of that money went towards the youth missions trip later this June. And so I'm just so excited and so thankful on their behalf of you coming out and supporting them for them to go on this missions trip. And also in June, we have our women's retreat, June 9th through the 11th. Yes, we have scholarships available. If you need that, please reach out to myself or Megan. We would love to make that connection for you. Um, You can scan the QR code to make payments. You can use the link that has been sent out in emails. If you need to make single payments or multiple payments, there is that option as well. But um, that money is due June 2nd for the retreat. And then we have our merch in the lobby. I know a lot of you were excited that the sweatshirts were back. I did not anticipate that being the hottest item, but it was. So we, we ordered them. They came in. So I love when we have new merch. Everyone shows up at 1015. It's incredible. Now I know you guys can do it. You can be here when church starts. I love it. So the um, past few weeks, we have been talking about living for more and what that looks like. But what's the why? What's the why behind living for more? Too many people live like, oh, thank God it's Friday. We live for Friday. We live for that moment. But then as soon as Monday rolls around, there's this dread. Oh, it's a Monday again. But Genesis 1.28 tells us, and God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Can I remind you that God's call on your life and on my life is to have dominion? What does that look like? That means we have God's authority inside of us. We just sang about it. We have God's authority within us. Pastor Zach has walked us through these gates that we have been talking about. So far, he's taught us about the marketplace gate. This is where you live. This is where you work and where you spend your time. There's no such thing as a secular employment if you are a believer. Every believer is in full-time ministry regardless of where you work. 
And then we talked about the gate of the family. This is pouring into your children. This is leading your family. Jesus has to be at the center. It's either Jesus at the center of your family or it's yourself at the center of your family. And last week he talked about the gate of education. Education is one of the most powerful weapons on earth. We have to pay attention because this is what we pass on to the next generation. And what the kids learn today decides our world for tomorrow. We've talked about Ephesians 4, and we've identified this five-fold ministry that we call APEST. You have the apostolic person. These are your inventors and your entrepreneurs. And then we have the prophetic people, and these are the people that help steer and they help reform. And then we have those who are evangelistic. These are our storytellers and gatherers. And then our shepherds are our caretakers and our healers. And then lastly, there's our teachers. These are the people who can teach, they learn, they help guide. We've taken a look at these seven gates that Pastor Zach has already introduced us to, and we're going to dive into them a little more because we have to recognize that God has called us to have dominion over each of these areas. So the gates that we've already talked about, the marketplace, we've talked about family and education. There's government, media, entertainment, business, health, and wellness. But what does it look like to unlock your purpose in these areas at a deeper level? So today we are actually going to dive into having dominion over the government. And I'm so thankful that Pastor Zach gave me the honor to teach on this while he is gone. So I don't, I will absolutely take that one for the team. But how do we as believers storm the gate in prayer and continue to honor the Lord within the gate of government? Do you remember the video clip from last week where they stormed the gates? They brought the fight to the enemy. Now, this sermon is not going to be an attempt to provide biblical answers or guidance on each particular issue. I'm so sorry. It is not going to be a comprehensive theology on the government, but what I will attempt to do is to provide a framework of how to think and how to provide some tangible ways on how to act. As a church, we have to move from apathy into action. We have to move from anger into action. So what is the role of the local church in government? The message and the mission of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is given to us by Jesus. Jesus saves, he heals, he fills, and he calls. This is where we get our mission that we have life, family, freedom, and purpose all through Jesus Christ. But there are some errors that can occur within the local church and the government. The first one is when the message or the mission of the church is dominated by any one of the seven gates that we've mentioned. And if you've gone through our Multipliers 101 class, or if you were here when we did our Xbox series, not like Xbox, but the White Box series, we talked about these three different types of ships. There's a battleship. This is the political church. This is a church that chooses a battle or a stance and they stay there. That is their focus. And then we have the cruise ship church 
or the business church. This is where you go for your entertainment. This is where you become a consumer church and you keep asking yourself, what can I get out of this church? What can I get? But then you have the aircraft carrier. This is where we want to be. This is the Jesus church. This is the making and sending of disciples. But the second error that can occur is when the local church does not mobilize the body to step into and have dominion within those gates. You have to unlock your purpose at a deeper level. Mobilize yourself to discover what is your apex gifting? Where do you fall into this? In what gate has God called you to, to minister to further his kingdom? Because Jesus' kingdom doesn't come through government, but Jesus' kingdom should absolutely influence the government. So what is the history and the philosophy of the democratic government? She said Democrat in church. No, this isn't going to be Democrats versus Republicans. I'm sorry. This is going to be about governing laws and leadership and policies. Jerry Bridges is the author of The Pursuit of Holiness, and he says, God can and does do work in the heart and the minds of rulers and officials of government to accomplish his sovereign purpose. Their hearts and minds are just as under his control as the impersonal physical laws of nature. Yet their every decision is made freely, most often without any thought or regard to the will of God. So can we take a look for just a second at an elementary example that I would usually dive into with our children's ministry? Let's talk about Daniel. I'm sure you've heard Daniel in the lion's den or you're familiar a little bit about the story. So Daniel was a higher official and there were other high officials that were around him. But those officials, they were jealous of Daniel. Daniel had something that, that they wanted and that, that enraged this jealousy of Daniel. What they were lacking was the favor of God on Daniel's life. You see, because of their jealousy, these high officials convinced King Darius to make a decree. And it was stated that everyone must worship King Darius and no other gods. So these people are thinking, huh, how can we trap Daniel? How can we get him out of this level that we're at so that we can become higher than he is? And so they convinced King Darius to, to create this decree that he should be the one that is worshipped. And then these higher officials know that if they spy on Daniel, they'll catch Daniel doing the very thing that King Darius just said that he couldn't do. And so what do they do? They spy on him, and they catch him. And what is he doing? He is praying to God. He did not stop praying to God. He kept God the center of his life. So in this jealousy, Daniel did not bend to the decree, but he knelt to his knees in prayer. And Daniel 6.16 says, So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continuously, rescue you. So we, we might all know how the story goes, but if you don't, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. So Daniel is confronted by King Darius, and King Darius says, Daniel, are you still praying to another God because I made this decree and you're only supposed to worship me, but I've heard that you're worshiping another God. And Daniel says, yeah, I'm still praying to my God. 
And King Darius favored Daniel. King Darius liked Daniel. And so he's like, oh, man, dude, like, I've, I've got to punish you. There's consequences for this. And so he takes Daniel and he puts him into the lion's den. And so Daniel's there for a few days. And what the Bible tells us is that an angel of the Lord shut the mouths of the lions. And I don't know if you're familiar with this Casting Crown song that is out right now, but it's called Crazy People, and it's talking about the crazy people in the Bible who did these things that were so crazy, but God's favor was there, and God's blessing and anointing was there. And one of the lyrics that my kids love in this song right now is that he turned the lion's den into a petting zoo, because that's the ability of our God. God can shut the mouths of the lions. He has that authority. He has that power. And so then a few days later, King Darius, he wakes up and he does not feel well, probably because he just put one of his friends in a lion's den and he's not thinking this friend is going to exit the cave. He goes and they roll the stone away and out walks Daniel. And because of this, King Darius says, worship Daniel's God. Don't worship me. His God's more powerful. Worship his God. We have to realize that since the beginning of time, even in the Bible, people have been trying to use leaders for their gain. They try to set other people up, and they try to push their agenda. This isn't new. But as believers, we have to remember that the Lord has the authority. In Titus 3.1, it says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready to do whatever is good. We have freedom of religion. We have freedom of speech. But we have to use this for God's glory. So where are we in America? America is not the new Israel. The church of Jesus Christ is the new Israel. Numbers 6, 24 through 26 says, The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and have favor on you and to be gracious to you and turn your face to the Lord because he gives you peace. If we as believers are the new Israel, this is what we have. This is our blessing too. We have this favor too. I do believe that God has his hand on America. I do believe that God has blessed America. And I do believe that God will use America to advance the gospel and to bless the world. As a church, our church supports both local and global ministry outreaches. For example, Pastor Zach is in Africa right now. He is there to plant churches. He is there to make disciples in their local area so that they can know Jesus and so that they can tell people about Jesus. We support outreach initiatives like the Dream Center and Gate Pregnancy Center, Teen and Adult Challenge. We pour into the next generation, whether that's through Southeastern University or our youth group here or even through Liberty Prep and the partnership that we have with the school. But with all of the things that we're doing in America, can I remind you that the local things matter? I'm sure you've seen bumper stickers that say, buy local, no farmers, no food, support your neighbor. 
But what would it look like if you truly supported Good Drip versus Starbucks? What if you truly supported the small business versus the big business? What if you shopped the farmer's market versus Publix? Because for one, local businesses celebrate when you make your purchase because you choose them. It directly supports their family. This is how they buy groceries and pay for insurance. This is how they put into a 401k. They don't have a corporation backing them to match their investment. This is how they survive. But also when you buy or shop or, or pour in locally, you're saying, hey, I believe you. I support you. I want to continue to support you. All of these things make impacts, but local matters. Because local leaders make waves in DC. To vote locally, you have to vote for your community. You can't just vote one time every four years and think you're doing the right thing. You have to vote every time because local matters. What's local here isn't local in Concord, and what's local in Concord isn't local to Mecklenburg County. But also, what's happening in Washington State is different than what's happening in Florida. What's happening in Florida is different than Texas, and Texas is different than North Carolina, and North Carolina different than Tennessee. Local there is not local here. Everything that is cultural and political differ. So how is the local government structured? I'm so glad you asked because I got a very good history lesson. We have the mayor, and the mayor represents the city. We have city council. This is our policymaker. Our county commissioner oversees budgets and county workers. The district attorney is the highest ranked prosecutor in this state. We have local judges, and that is how it sounds. It is not Judge Judy, but they preside over all things local. We have the sheriff who oversees local law enforcement. The school board decides policies in their community, and it is key within the gate of education. If you are not impressed, go to meetings. If you are not impressed, speak up. Senators represent things statewide and on a national level. The House of Representatives represent things locally on a bigger scale. And then our governor is responsible for taking care of the citizens. This is essentially our state's manager. And I know I just spouted out a lot of things within government. I'm sure a lot of you are kind of giving me the big eyes. But can I remind you what 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2 says? It says, first of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, and intercessors and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. This means governors. This means presidents. This means vice presidents and sheriffs, the list of people that I just said, this means all of those people, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Because of our government influence, both locally and nationally, these leaders need to be prayed over often. This is why you have to research and know your why before you vote. I know it's so easy, and I get caught up in this too, where we'll see something on social media, and there will be a political post or a political meme, and it's so easy to just hit share and send it to a few friends, or it's so easy to hit share and post it on your story, and it, and it goes through. And as I was preparing this week, I kind of got convicted, because I thought, man, have I prayed for this person yet? No, I hadn't. Am I showing respect, or is it being dignified in the way that I'm sharing this? Probably not. 
So can I encourage you to continue to pray for your leaders because it's what the Bible calls us to do. It's what we're supposed to do as a church. So how do you step into action? You have to use your vote. First, you have to register to vote, and then you need to make educated voting decisions. What are local issues? What does the Bible say? Who is running for what position, and what do they believe? What are their thoughts on sexuality? What are their thoughts on their right to life? And what are their thoughts on education? Because if you choose to follow Jesus, you don't get an opinion. It's what the Bible says. So many of us are like, God, just tell me, just tell me what to do. Or tell me where to go or how to act. Or we ask God for these black and white answers because we think there's so many gray matters. But if you get into the word, you will realize that some things are not gray. There are many black and white things. And as a believer, we have to stand firm on that. We have to hold the line. We don't get to back down. And I'm sure some of you have seen recently that a politician was denied communion in their church because of their stance on abortion. That church took a stand. We have to stay faithful to what the Bible has called us to do. You have to use your voice. Use your voice in prayer. We have prayer groups at our church. We have a prayer room here on Sunday mornings. Maybe that's you praying with your kids or praying with your spouse or praying with your friends. But don't stop praying. You have to use your voice to advocate as well. Whether that's writing or calling, whether that's rallying and making your voice heard. But also use your vocation. Because what if God is calling somebody in this room to run for office? What if God is calling you to lead a charge, whether that's at your work or at a school? What if he's using you to change policies? Or simply, what if he's asking you to come alongside of somebody who is in one of those higher positions just to encourage them, just to pour into them, just to bless them? And just to let them know, hey, I've got you. I'm in your corner. You're not alone. You might feel alone, but I've got you. We have to pray for leaders. And as a church, we will always be a light in the darkness. I want to paint the picture that there's a battle going on all around us. And we have to be prepared to fight. Whether you see the battle in front of you or not, it is either here or it is spiritual, and you have to be ready to fight. You can't back down, and you have to stay in the fight. Join a group, get involved in the church, get people around you that will fight with you. We're on the front lines. You have to have courage. We already have the favor of Israel on you. And having God for you is better than having the world against you. And someone might be sitting in this room thinking, I've, I've got a lot going against me right now. Or I don't even know where to start in a relationship with God. Or I don't even know what all of this means, but I know that I need Jesus. I know that I need him in my life. And I know that I need him to change my heart. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to give you an opportunity, if that is you this morning, to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. So in a minute, I'm going to count to three. And I just want you to lift up your hand if that is you, just saying, God, I need you in my life. I trust you, even when things don't seem black and white, even when things don't seem comfortable, or maybe I'm fighting this battle and I need you, God. 
So on the count of three, if that's you, saying, God, I need you in my life. If you would just raise your hand because I want to pray with you. One, two, three. All across this room, if that's you, saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I would like to pray this prayer with you. If everyone will just repeat it. Lord, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for coming into my life. I pray that I live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. Amen. Church, let's celebrate those who just prayed that prayer for the first time this morning. Hey, if that was you, outside of these doors and to the left, there's an area that we call Wafa. It is our wide awake and fully alive area. And there's going to be somebody there who wants to talk with you, who wants to come alongside of you in this journey. But I hope you guys have such a great day as we continue to love Jesus and change the world. We'll be back here next week, same time, same place. today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.